Hello. Today's episode is a conversation with the Austin-based band Naked Lunch. I first met these two uh, around the Austin area playing at jams and open mics around the city. We got to talking because I really fell in love with their sound. They have such a cool mix of math rock and post rock and soul and R&B. So I got to talking with them and I thought it would be fun to discuss with them on the podcast their histories as musicians. Joey is the guitar player who also has a history in the culinary arts, and Camila, the vocalist, also has a history as an architect. And we also get into an interesting discussion about barbecue in Austin versus Kansas City, which is sort of a contentious topic, so it's pretty interesting. But before we get to that, please remember to like, leave a comment, and subscribe to my channels. And if you would like to consider supporting my content generally, please visit my Patreon page. If you sign up for just $3 a month, you can submit topics or questions for me to address on the podcast, either by myself or with guests. And remember that as a podcaster and a musician, I operate on the value-for-value value model. Now, that model comes out of the No Agenda podcast hosted by John C. Dvorak and Adam Curry. And the idea is that if I provide value to you, I ask that you respond in kind by providing value back to me. Now, the simplest way to provide value is probably a monetary value back to me for providing value to you through my content. However, there are other types of value, things like services in exchange for services, like audio engineering, video editing, things like that. You could also submit music for me to use in a podcast. You could submit a logo for a particular podcast episode. You could submit artwork. You could submit anything like this, just so there is an exchange of services for each other. And now to the show. Welcome to Music in Mind. Music in Mind. With Anthony Welcome to Music in Mind. I'm here with the Austin band Naked Lunch. We have Joey, who's the guitar player, and Camila, who is the vocalist. And um, we've met a couple times now. Um, I met them maybe two or three weeks ago at the the open mic at uh, WTF Ice House in Austin, and then we played uh, together at OPA at their their open mic, and uh, they just have a really cool vibe. They have this really cool broad sound with neat guitar chords and just beautiful melodies and everything, and so it's been fun to hear their music. So thanks so much for coming on the podcast. Oh, thanks for having us. <laughs> yeah, that's cool. <laughs> yeah, so uh, how's it going? How's, how's oh, life? Oh, you want to go? <laughs> Life is pushing right now. We're going through it like it, like a good going through it. Yeah, uh -huh. you know, we have regular jobs, and then all of our free time is being soaked up with music right now, which is how we want to spend it. Mm -hmm. We wouldn't. So right. it's good. Yeah, that's great. That the having a job thing is really interesting. The, the there's sort of that dynamic. There's the full time musicians who sleep until noon every day and there's the musicians who have jobs and they have to prioritize their free time to music in a very specific way. Do yeah. you feel like that changes your, your creative process at all? So I keep hearing both sides, right? It's like on one hand, I would love to just be able to sit for days and focus on music solely because mm -hmm. maybe I should anybody hears this at my job, I work hard at my job, but <laughs> I am always listening to our music in my headphones at work, just oh, like wow. in okay. my head so that afterwards I can give Joey notes and I have all these notes that I have to go over. 
And on the other hand, I hear like, but your job gives you something to write about. And mm -hmm. it's like, what are you making music about if you're not out in the world? Yes. So I can see both sides. Right now, it's hard for me to see the latter because I want to just be in the world of music. But, mm -hmm. and I feel like I have a lot of lifetime under my belt to write about. But at the same time, maybe this pressure is helping us be more efficient and Mm -hmm. I don't know. What yeah, do you think? yeah. I would say it, the pressure is good for um, not procrastinating because, like, it forces us to have to make something in order. Like, we kind of set a goal to have it ready before we do like a open jam or right. we go, we're going to showcase a song. We're pushing it like in a a very time, like a super short time period to do it, and mm -hmm. a lot of times it's uh, only a few hours. But after that, you know, we will just for a whole day, just dig into it, dig into it, dig into mm -hmm. it. And then we have to go to work yep. and then come back, dig, 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 dig. And then it's like, okay, we have to play a show <laughs> or do a performance. Mm -hmm. so, I think that focus is really, it's really important. And I notice it with classical musicians versus professional gigging musicians. Um, because when I was uh, playing in a lot of pit orchestras, you'd only really get one or two rehearsals before the show Ooh. and so you'd have to come in and just know it immediately and there was really no room for error and i think that actually elevated everybody's playing versus yeah. in college when you rehearse something for three months and actually by the performance time it's still weak yeah because you haven't you haven't ever put that focus in it's always like ah next week it'll be better yeah. next week it'll be better. Yeah. yeah but uh <laughs> It's it, it's interesting how how that can how that can really sharpen you and Camila something else that you were talking about about wanting to be always in music but also needing to experience the world. It's yeah. uh, I feel like comedians run into the same problem where when they're on tour all the time all of their jokes just start becoming about airports and things like that. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and things. <laughs> right. Well, we talked about comedians the other night too. Yeah. yeah, a lot of strong opinions. It's too much. <laughs> I don't want to be negative. You know, I don't want to be negative, but it's just, I definitely have my opinions. It's like, I can't hear the same thing over and over and think and appreciate it. Uh -huh. Because to me, creation is the most important part of being an artist in whatever medium you choose to be. Creativity and honesty. Mm -hmm. it's like if i just hear regurgitation of the same three topics i'm like what are we what are we doing <laughs> so <laughs> what a, what a, what about for music because for music obviously you have to play the same songs over and over and over and over again yes do you want uh no go for it oh okay um <laughs> <laughs> yeah no it's like um it's it comes out of respect right mm -hmm. it's like it comes in phases um so my day job is architecture mm -hmm. and the process is so similar. It's uncanny, right? It's like people think the entire time you're designing the building and no, you're designing the building for about 10% of the time. And then you have to do all of the construction documents and the structural stuff mm. to make sure it doesn't fall. And unfortunately, you know, creators, we can't, it's hard for us to hit that off switch and say, stop designing. So mm -hmm. we'll, we'll make little things in the beginning 
will make little edits to the initial design, which trickles into everything else that you're doing. Uh -huh. And so now you have to update construction documents and structural and HVAC and everything. Mm -hmm. um, and that's how music is. It's like when you first create it in, an, in its inception, it's like magic. And it's the best part. I think it's the best part. Mm -hmm. um, but then you have to refine it. You have to refine it. You have to edit it. And you have to master it. And that's where the respect comes in. And that's what separates you from people who just like sing in the shower. No knocking the most talented shower singers. It's like just <laughs> don't want to do this as a career, you know? Yeah. But if you do want to do this as a career, then you have to make sure everything else is in line too. It's just mm -hmm. like children, you know, you spend nine months. Growing them. <laughs> and then you have 18 years to, raise it it's right. like mm -hmm. we, we cook it and then we raise it <laughs> it's so it's so primal mm. yeah the primalness is interesting i i also like what you were saying about music being magic there's a there's a conception i have of music that i got from talking to uh, someone else on the podcast uh, her name was emma garriott she's a canadian musician and um she just said music is magic and I started thinking about it, and I thought, that, that sounds true. That sounds right in this weird way. And then I started conceptualizing musicians as sorcerers or illusionists. And sort of what you're doing when you're successfully doing music is you're kind of casting a spell on the crowd because they're enraptured in what you're doing, and they're feeling with you, but you're kind of manipulating and controlling the situation. So you're, if you're doing it successfully, you're kind of being a sorcerer. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. You're a wizard. You're a wizard. Right? <laughs> you know, um, and I like, I love talking about music as magic, but I also like talking about it as science. And uh -huh. like, so I just got out of grad school. So unfortunately, I'm still in this very academic, theoretical uh -huh. that's framework. Great. Yeah. That's, that's great. <laughs> I love it. Yeah. And so, um, and I got out of school for architecture, and we study neurophenomenology, which is the marriage of neuroscience, philosophy, and architecture. Wow. And we theorize about a lot of different random stuff, but one of the things we theorize about is, like, parapersonal and extrapersonal space, you know? And it's, like... What's para? para? Sorry. It's para parapersonal is, like, my distance, right? It's, like, this is my parapersonal space. And mm. where, as far as my body goes, but mm -hmm. extrapersonal space is beyond that. And if you trust someone, you let them into your parapersonal uh -huh. space. Now, in the craft of mastery, in mastering your craft, your tools become part of your parapersonal space, and they mm -hmm. become extensions of yourself. So, like, Joey's guitar is an extension of himself, and a writer, their pen is an extension of themselves, because if right. you remove that object, they are no longer their full selves. Mm -hmm. And so... When I think about music, because my instrument, I'm a vocalist, my instrument is my voice, but I don't think that Joey's guitar is the extent of his parapersonal space. I think it's the distance by which that sound travels. Hmm. And suddenly, you know, when you're making music with someone, two other people, right. they are now part of your parapersonal right. space. And yeah. like, it's all in here together sharing energy sharing mm -hmm. music and i don't mean energy just like in a spiritual way but like energy like 
every organ in your body uh -huh. and everything Ooh. emits a biomagnetic field. Yeah. All of our biomagnetic fields are now vibrating. Yeah. And maybe not at the same frequency, but they're meeting you at a frequency right. that you're creating. So well, thousands of frequencies, right? Yeah. All sorts of frequencies moving yeah. together, buzzing together. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that's great. So, so Joey, do you do you feel that way about the guitar? Do you feel the guitar is sort of an extension of your voice, and then by extension, an extension of your your bodily space in a way? Um. <laughs> or do what is your connection to to your guitar and and your musical ideas or your musical voice? It's kind of hard to explain that actually, because for me, I I don't talk a lot. Uh -huh. obviously and for me to talk it's like i have to play music mm. so it's like me talking and that's kind of how i would use it it's like it is my voice and that's mm -hmm. why i use it i don't necessarily feel a bunch of different things it's just me projecting hmm. so i don't it's hard for me to get like connections back unless it's music if it's right. not like I won't like I'm not really attached to it. I don't really feel anything from it. So it's like I just use it as my voices, I guess. Mm. To describe right. it. But yeah. I mean very simple. <laughs> well, no, but we were talking about about some of your the your composition techniques and the way oh. that you go for chords that might not even be chords that you know the names to or anything like that. Right. I actually a lot of the chords that, that you've heard on some of our songs, I played them for the first time when I was making them. And right. it was because like I could hear it and mm -hmm. I was just tracking them and I don't know how to read sheet music and uh -huh. I couldn't tell you what key I'm playing in either. I'm very bad at all this and <laughs> you know, no shame in it, you know, like, no, I, that's I great. Learn, but it's just, I don't like, I'll just hear it before I have to even learn it. You mm -hmm. know, some people, when you play in an orchestra or something, I imagine they can't just play it from hearing it. They, they want the sheet music. They want to be able to right. follow mm -hmm. it. Accurately. Mm -hmm. It's just like, I can hear it, I'll feel it, and it'll just come out. I just start talking, but I'm playing. Right, but that's great. I mean, that that's fluency, right? Because when you when you start speaking, you're not planning out every word that you're going to say ahead of time. You're yeah. just speaking, and so yeah. that's I mean, that's amazing. Achieving fluency like that is sort of the goal of being a musician, right? <laughs> yeah. Who needs sheet music and? Uh, <laughs> no, I, I do want to get more into music theory just so I feel like it would help me map out things better and collaborate with other people. Mm -hmm. Yeah, It's kind of hard. It's like, yeah, just feel it. You know? yeah. no. There's like six changes. You can't feel it. <laughs> so how would you describe your music? We've come up with a few different uh, words for it, but the thing that we always keep coming back to is this one word that's just collage. Mm -hmm. Like, uh, Camila's influences R and B, mm -hmm. hip hop. There's um, there's all kinds of stuff. Like lots of stuff. There's all kinds of stuff. It's just like when I was growing up, my mom listened to all kinds of music, and mm -hmm. it was all good, right? Like on Sundays, we would listen. It was cleaning day, so we'd be listening to Pink Floyd and Cypress Hill and some whoa. stuff in Spanish, and Lauren Hill and mm, whoa, you know, India Ari and then like Sade and um, and then Guns N' Roses. So it was like, like there was no, the spectrum was open. And so when I was older, I was able to explore more. And mm -hmm. it's like when that's your base, 
then all the obscurity is no longer obscure. It's just mm -hmm. more input. Yeah. But I love to listen to all kinds of stuff. And like my first music mentor trained me in opera and I'll never like, I'll always thank her for that. You know, mm -hmm. it's just the best foundation I think for a vocalist. So when was that? The opera train? So I started in third grade. So I think I was like eight, seven, eight. Um, but she was great. You know, she signed me up for like the lyric opera camp in my city. And wow. Yeah. And we were able to do like trainings during the summers. And I was able to train with her personally. And it was great. And then I picked it back up in high school because they do like competitions and stuff. Um, and so we'd, we'd pick a couple of songs from the genre and then we'd have an accompanist and it would just be us and like me and him mm -hmm. going back and forth. And like, I think my favorite experience was doing the glory of Evaldi and we did all 12 movements. Cool. And it, that was the best. Like if I haven't read music in a long time, but I'm pretty positive. You, you put the Vivaldi sheet music, uh -huh. in me, I'd know exactly what to do. That's great. Vivaldi's so fun too. It's it's so ornamental and it's florid. It's lovely. Harmonize, <laughs> I love Vivaldi. Harmonizing in triples is one of the most fun things I ever did. It was mm. just she's she's doing this and I'm doing this and then we do this together and it's it was wonderful. Mm -hmm. But but all kinds of stuff. I mean, and luckily, like I surround myself with some pretty strange people who like <laughs> out there music like. It's the best. Yeah. yeah. Cool. Well, Joey, what about you? What do, where are your influences uh, coming from? I grew up listening to Houston rap with my dad. Mm, cool. And a lot of chopped and screwed music. Um, doesn't really play a part into it, but it's how I got into it. And he liked rock and roll, like classic stuff. Mm -hmm. My mom was like country and R&B. Mm. So I had like so many, like just all over the place. And through that, I found an instrument that I liked and I just dove more into like uh, heavier things like metal and right. proggy stuff, post-rock, instrumental mm -hmm. bass stuff. I didn't really care for vocals. I would just listen to instrumentals like as growing up. Like, Interesting. Yeah. I think the first time math rock was the thing that really like pushed me. I was like, this is exactly what I want. I remember this moment I told my dad, I was like, we're going to run out of music one day because, because I felt like everybody was doing the same thing. Like yeah. verse, chorus, verse, bridge, you know, like the whole, which is cool because you need structure. But as a child, like I was just thinking walls, all I can yeah. see are walls. And I, I was just hearing the same chords, like mm -hmm. chord progressions, overuse. And then, and high school freshman year i think i found math rock and i was like wow what is this this is weird like it's exactly what i want yeah and it, i didn't have a name for it it was years later until I, somebody was telling me about it that that's what it's called wow. and um yeah after after i found that i started like honing my sound more into that because that's what i was trying to do the whole time and people were already doing it so did you learn how to play it without learning how to count odd meters and stuff too yeah that's crazy <laughs> so you just did it by feel and you just yeah. listened to a track enough that you just felt where the changes were 
the the numbers mean nothing to me. Yeah. <laughs> but now, but now it's all numbers. Yeah. No, now I'm trying like, to tighten it up. It's now tough. it's all numbers. <laughs> yeah. It's, we're... it's tough, you know. Like in the inception of our music, it's really perfect because he'll just be playing, and like he said, like he's not the best communicator verbally, but it's like my career forces me to be extremely empathetic and mm. whatever he's playing i'm feeling it and mm. and it's easy for me to dig in my box of emotions because i'm extremely emotional and it works and the beginning is the easiest part for us it's like we are just he's flowing and then i'm meeting his wave and we just create a song like literally we just I don't write anything down. I just hit record and then later I'll go back and listen back uh-huh. and then I'll write down what lyrics I want to keep and I'll get rid of what I want to get rid of. And then it's just the middle part that's the hardest for us. It's like, now we have to make decisions. Mm. Everything is precious and it's just hard to let go of stuff sometimes. Like, I And I have to do it a lot. You know, I'm a, I'm a vocalist, so words come naturally to me. Right. And I'll, I'll write like four pages and I'll have to get rid of three of them. Or write a really long song. Well, we just decided we're <laughs> going to keep our first eight minute song. Oh, <laughs> yeah, that's great. Because it's so beautiful and mm-hmm. it's really hard. This is probably the hardest song ever to chop down. But mm. everything else, it's been both of us, you know, I'll hit him with, all right, we got to get rid of this. And he's just like, we're not getting rid of that. And I'm like, look, <laughs> I have to cut my words down by 25%. <laughs> so I'm going to need you to cut down with me. Right. Like the, and that has to do with like the music that I was into, like post rock. Yep. They have like 13 minute songs and it's just like ambient just things. I can go yeah. Like the Energizer Bunny, I won't stop. I'll just keep playing. And then she's like, all right. We're at 13 minutes. Yeah, I'm like, uh, perfect. Perfect. We're definitely going to have our Explosions in the Sky album. You know, it's like we are, because I am a writer, because he's a guitarist, we are writing these songs that, that are more, I don't, it's hard to say this because people, when they hear our music, they're like, I have no idea what genre that is. Yeah, what is it? But it's the most palatable version of what we're doing. You mean but, what you're playing live? Yeah. Uh-huh. But what we're doing on our own, like, there's just some stuff that I understand people will fall asleep to. But we're going to put it out anyway because it's literally just him playing and me making sounds. At that point, I'm not even saying words. We're just... That's great. That sounds awesome. Yeah. <laughs> and you're scared of free improv. That sounds perfect. <laughs> oh my god uh, you should see some of the things i've done with vocalists <laughs> playing playing through tubes and going oh my gosh oh yeah yeah but i mean that that's it that's interesting because especially if you're trying to do things like open mics I mean, a 13 minute song, you're really taking up space there. But, uh, yeah. <laughs> you guys ready for the next one? <laughs> yeah, can we do one more? 
that, that's tough. So how do you how do you navigate that? What do you see the function of the the open mics or the jams around Austin for 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 your group? Um, right now, the way I think we I can speak for both of us on this. It's like practice. Yep. And it's mm-hmm. like just being able to be comfortable because I have like like a little bit of social anxiety when it comes to like mm-hmm. being up there. Right. And it just helps me be more open and speak because mm-hmm. like, I just, I'm not used to speaking in front of like large crowds. So me playing my guitar is yeah. me you know, to just translate that. And along with that, meeting new musicians, mm-hmm. being able to collab with people, they're always going to us and they do it for fun. Yeah. And they're in the idea of like, wanting to just hear other people just for fun like they're they're not forced to be there they don't have to be there because they're on a, in a gig or yep. a show or whatever like they're just there having a good time and i think you really get to meet people at a better spot than you were to meet them like if you're on the same bill you know it's just business at that point and yes yeah that's what we use that what what i think that we i use that for mostly would you add to that yeah i um I've been performing for most of my life mm-hmm. uh, and it was nice at the beginning just to get my feet wet because at that point I hadn't touched the stage in like a year maybe uh, when we did our first open mic but now I really approach it through the lens of like homework um, yeah. like I talk to the sound guy I I ask what all these buttons do I'm trying to figure out how to do sound check when I'm standing on the stage because mm-hmm. I can't hear at the back mm-hmm. of the room. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm trying to figure out what sounds best with my voice. Because, you know, if you're like in a choir or performing for a competition, all of that stuff is worked out for you. Right. You're not AV. Um, but when I started, so when I was at university, I coordinated music events and I hired musicians and then I ran an open mic. Mm-hmm. And then I realized that there's just so much more to this that I'm not aware of. Mm. And so now I'm trying to figure that aspect out. And um, because, you know, wh- when I hire musicians and then they spend, we allot like two hours for their sound check, but then they come back and they get back on stage and they spend another 15 minutes after the fact. And that's already cutting into their set. I'm like, sounds off when it's off. Right. So you're going to have to cut your set short now at this point. And I just don't want that to be us. So right now I'm literally everything, every show Mm -hmm. we go to, every open mic we do is input. I see. Yeah. But it's also great to just be able to put our songs out there for people, like Joey said, that are not being paid and Mm -hmm. aren't forced to be there. They just love what they do. Yeah. It's a beautiful like environment to mm-hmm. get your feet wet in. Yeah, it's great. Yeah. Do you? So neither of you is from Austin originally, right? Mm-mm. So how how long have you each been here? I've been here about six years. Okay. Five, five or six. Like I'm and you came here. from Houston, or you went somewhere else in between? Uh. So I just came back from Colorado, but I was only there for a few months. I just went to go for like a seasonal job, but mm, okay. I stopped in Houston for a minute and then I decided to come to Austin. Nice. Yeah. Was it for music? 
Uh, no, actually, it was uh, for culinary. Because oh, okay. My backup plan. Well, that's what you do for work, right? You work. Yeah, it's my profession right now. I'm a, a sous chef. Cool. That's awesome. He's the best. <laughs> best sous chef. I mean, I'm all right. I can make some stuff. Yeah, I believe it. You <laughs> can, can make a lot of stuff. Yeah. <laughs> do you have aspirations of 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 being a, a chef, uh, like a head chef? Uh, you know, I did at one point, and it's kind of, you know, left and right teetering, yes and no, because I like food, and mm -hmm. my mom's a chef, and I grew up eating oh, good cool. food, mm -hmm. like wild things like boar, rabbit, and mm. foie gras, all these different mm -hmm. crazy French like, <laughs> culinary things, and that kind of gives me that drive like oh, i would love to be a head chef but at the same time like i would much rather be doing music and uh -huh. at the end of the day i would i think i would regret not trying mm. to, be, yep. before I to be a head chef because you know like, you could always be a head chef. right right I, yeah i can go get alone and open my business and call myself the head chef if i want there you go <laughs> yeah right <laughs> So do you feel like Austin is a good food city? I'm interested in this coming from L.A. because I consider L.A. to be an extremely good food city. L.A. is an extremely good food city, and I think they have a few Michelin star restaurants over there, too. Right? They should have, like, yeah, a I think so. handful of them. I mean, I, yeah. I mean, I'm not really, like... in and out I think, is actually Michelin starred. <laughs> no, it is not. Well, because the, the idea of the Michelin star... And may, Joey, maybe you can correct me on this if I'm not, if I'm not right, but... Uh, I think the idea is not that it's the best restaurant ever, but it's the best restaurant at what it does specifically. Right. So if it's a if it's a bagel place, it does the best bagels, which obviously isn't going to compete with a steakhouse in the same way. And so is it the best bagel place and the best steak place, but they're not competing with each other. Right. I get that. They won't be there's rules that they have. There there's a whole right. book of rules that they have. Uh -huh. The fact that they're a chain, I think, is one of those that cuts them out. You can be a food truck and get right. one. There's one in Singapore, mm -hmm. and he does pecking duck, I think. Or oh, wow. Okay. That. And that's all he does and sells out, and that's it. Wasn't it, it was started by the Michelin Tire Company, right? It was for for roads, places it was, uh, traveling it was through France on the road. It was right? a guide to restaurants, and it, they based it off of stars, and the three stars was the best restaurant to go to, and they just kind of kept that tradition and got more refined with it, and mm. fancy. <laughs> That's <laughs> yeah. pretty cool. So are there Michelin star restaurants here in Austin? Uh, no, not at okay. all. There probably never will be. Mm. It should be a Michelin star restaurant. They have a good running. I Shout think. out Quanto's Tacos. Yeah. They should definitely be a Michelin star food yeah. truck. Delicious. Mm. Best taco place in Austin. Which one? Quantos Tacos. It's on Eleventh uh, Street. Oh, okay, cool. You haven't yeah, tried I have it? a whole list of places to try. Well, forget your list and then go to that one. Okay, sounds good. <laughs> yeah, so, so Austin, good food city or? What do you uh, think? It, it it's good. Uh, I would say it's good because there's a lot of variety and right. especially for the vegan community, there's a good vegan community here that mm -hmm. supports each other yeah. and work together and. I think in that that way, you can't get great food like LA. You can get right. great food, and that's because it's an international right. city where they get a lot of like yep. people coming in and all different kinds of cultures and people that just go to California to to pursue their dreams. So mm -hmm. 
you know, they're really trying here. Nobody really comes to Austin to like pursue a dream unless it's in music, but food is like secondary, I think, in my mm-hmm. What about barbecue though? Because there, I barbecue. did not find good barbecue in LA. No, barbecue, definitely the best here. It's a little biased. <laughs> that was a good look. Now, now I have to know what Camila's saying. Well, I'm from Kansas City. Uh, ah, I see. Now, here we go. That's good. And it's better. It's saucy <laughs> there, right? Yeah, it's yeah. extremely saucy. Yeah. Yeah, but it's better. The sauce is better. <laughs> the meats are better. I've not had any barbecue in Austin that I thought was like, wow. But I've not had <laughs> That look, wow, this is amazing. So, I've not had Franklin's yet, so I can't say, but I've had Stubbs and I've had these random places. Stubbs is not, actually, I went to Stubbs, that was the, my mistake. The first place I went was Stubbs, and honestly, I was, like, very underwhelmed, and I was like, is this barbecue? This is no, what everything's cracked up to? It was bad. But then where did I go? I went to Terry Black's, and I was like, whoa, this is very, very oh, good. Oh, yeah, Terry Black's is good. It was, like, very good. It was a whole different level. Yeah. I was like, now I get it. This is super good. And they pay their they pay their employees good too. Oh, that's great. That's good to hear. <laughs> it's like twenty four dollars to start. Nice. And they have that bar in line. Yeah. <laughs> they, they know how to do the experience. Yeah. <laughs> the whole cafeteria style. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, Mickleweed is a good barbecue place. Ah, yeah, that's on my list too. Super good. They always sell out. You got to get there early. The one issue that I have with it is that why. Are we waking up at eight o'clock in the morning, seven o'clock in the morning to stand in line to eat heavy? Who meat? wants that at that time? At that, like, right, dinner, they sell out at two. It's more of a selfish thing, if you ask me. On the the pitmasters and the people that make it, it's like I don't want to work till four o'clock. They don't have to. <laughs> they don't have to. People are gonna line up anyway. I mean, they have they have their their night crew that that smoke the meat, so right. not of course, but like they don't. Well, have they to could do that during the day. <laughs> It could. It takes a long time to smoke them. So that I get that. But like the service time, it's not catered to the customer. It's catered to them. Yeah. Well, I mean, I guess they have the power. That's they do. If yeah, they I can do it. it. It's good. So they can. If I had yeah. it my way. <laughs> yeah. They you only perform before 4 p.m. <laughs> perform before 4 p.m. Then we would show up. Yeah. <laughs> no, I like the night. <laughs> yeah. Um, it helps with the sorcery. <laughs> yeah. Kansas City opens their barbecue places pretty late, like Jack Jack Stack. Yeah. Jack Stack was pretty good. I did mm-hmm. like them. Um, and this, what was the other one? That we Gates. Did? Gates. So they harass you. Oh, my gosh. What a They harass awesome you. Experience. Yeah, they're just really no nonsense. Like, you go through oh, the line, and they're just like, what do you want? Because yeah. <laughs> they can't even hear you. Because there's so much going on in the back, so they have to yell at you. And if you don't know immediately what you want, you gotta get back in the line because they won't they won't serve you. That's great. It's, it's like Katz's or something, in New York. Yeah, or like Dick's almost. <laughs> have you ever been there with the silly hats? <laughs> That's great. I kind of like that. I'm also very interested in the connection between. Uh, Jewish delis and uh, barbecue places specifically because of the brisket because brisket oh. is such a it's such a common uh, Jewish meat and then it's also like the king of everything in Austin it seems like um, yeah. and it's just a different preparation so instead of uh, corning it and making pastrami right. 
right. you smoke it. But but even the way that you that you buy it deli style by the pound That's at smoke. a counter. Yeah. Uh, it's so funny too because brisket is a cheap cut of meat and right and like probably for the longest time nobody wanted that cut because they didn't know how to cook it and it's like you know like they sell it for a low price and now you try to get brisket it's super expensive because we made it a thing (laughs) that's what that's what so (laughs) many foods though like things get discarded and thought of as like nothing and then like like lobsters yeah and oxtails and Mm, yeah they used to feed lobsters to i always say you can't buy style right you can't (laughs) you can't buy style you can have the most expensive cut of meat, but if you don't know what to do with it, mm, it's mm-hmm. worthless. Yep. And people now want the cheapest cuts of meat, and they can charge big prices because you can't buy talent. Right. It's, it's. I don't know if it's earned because there's such a wide spectrum. Obviously, there's going to be the prodigies mm-hmm. who don't have to work at all for their talent and notoriety, but... Then there's the craftsmen, which is, I think, where we're at. It's like people who who don't shy away from those innate, like, urgencies of, I have to do this, I have to do this, and then dedicate their time mm-hmm. to just shove it, to just push through. Yeah. Because like, <laughs> an oxtail, who the heck wants to eat that? That is the craziest thing I ever heard. All the bones in it. It's so, disgusting. Yeah. But it's hard to eat. It's kind of a, an ordeal. But they figured it out. Uh, another good place, uh, Tony's Jamaican. They have a good oxtail. Here? Yeah. A Jamaican place. Oh, wow. On 11th Street. <laughs> <laughs> or actually, I think it's on 12th. I'm not sure about that. I think Tony's it's Jamaican. Street. Okay. Well, I'll look it up. That's cool. I wouldn't have expected there to be good Jamaican food here. It's the only one, and they do a pretty good job, and they got a good following right there. Nice. Cool. Well, it, so it's it's interesting um, that you each are in fields outside of music that are very kind of compositional in nature or stru- structural in a way, right? So um, you you both have crafts that involve uh, being creative and putting things together. Do you feel like that they inform each other or uh, music is kind of an extension or something like that? Is there a relationship? relationship between music and what we do well food or architecture my whole thesis was that regardless of the medium if someone dedicates themselves to craft the apex will always look the same right Hmm. it's like when you reach the highest echelon of how much work you're willing to put into whatever you're doing Mm -hmm. it's like the structure is the same and the outline is the same you're just using a different instrument you're just using a different medium Mm -hmm. for what you're trying to relay like i love architecture and it took me a really long time to find it and and i love music more than anything more than anything but it's really hard to admit to yourself that it's what you want out of life hmm Like I, you know, I come from a family of immigrants. I have Mm -hmm. strong immigrant mentality and it's just so hard for me to say like, I want to be a musician, not Mm -hmm. to a parent or to a family member, just to myself of like, Mm. this is what I want for the rest of my life. 
because at the same time, I've spent the time to learn architecture and I know I can see a very clear path on how I can master architecture and be extremely successful. Mm-hmm. And I'm choosing to do something that doesn't have a clear path that has so many different ways of achieving success or whatever the idea of success is, but Mm -hmm. I'm choosing like less consistency, which for someone like me personally, consistency is a luxury that I have come to really appreciate. Mm -hmm. But yeah, I think regardless of the craft, the steps are the same. It's like, if you really care about the integrity of whatever field you're in, you're going to spend the time to get to know it. You're Mm going to learn how to be creative in it because you know that it's just like science, right? It's like, it's never finished. Right. It's never done. Of course. There's always something new to be discovered. There's always something as humans are ever evolving everything that concerns humanity should evolve with it. And Mm. where, what are you doing to evolve your field? Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, I think what, regardless if it's food or architecture or sculpture or whatever, Mm -hmm. it's like landscaping. Yeah. Literally anything, anything, you can be absolutely anything. And you can be the person who does it corporate and, Henry Ford's it down the line and yeah, or you can be the one who refines it and mm. it's special and evolves it. Yeah. Yeah. I would say, um, I can connect it to food actually. Hmm. So whenever in the kitchen, like if there's no music playing, I cannot cook the best. Ah, food. Wow. Okay. So, whenever I have like a playlist going or like something that I'm in the mood, it'll just come into my food. It'll just start like a dancing of my food. We're busy with mm-hmm. like tickets or down the line at other restaurants that I've been in. And if there's music playing, I'm not stressed at all. I'm just dancing or going <laughs> quick fire. And it just brings out the food whenever there's music. So there's that I, magic again. Yeah. And especially like, if I'm making dinner for like a date or something and mm-hmm. we're at my house, like I'll put on like I like like that cliche uh like Frank Sinatra playlist and it just makes me feel like I don't know, it feels nostalgic <laughs> even though that's not how I grew up. Right. Into like uh Sade and some, you know, Hispanic music, like Yeah. Yeah. So it was all over the place, but it just feels nostalgic because it feels like a movie to me and it kind of <laughs> Yeah, candles, wine. Yeah, yeah, and it's like, I feel like I have to. And at the same time, I can understand why that's always the thing that they're thinking of to put when people are cooking. Mm -hmm. So is there music then that ruins the food? Uh, It can only ruin it if if you don't like it, I think. Like, if you like metal music and you want to cook to it, all right, (laughs) probably cook a little faster. Yeah, right. (laughs) Naturally, you're just going to want to go faster. Or maybe you (laughs) try the downbeats and you're just kind of going like yeah a fraction of the the speed i will say like if if there is pop music playing at my job i cannot create 
Hmm. I because in like in architecture there are creative tasks and there are monotonous tasks. Right. And you have to do both. Yeah. And so like if there is pop music playing, I will stop doing a creative task and switch to a monotonous task. Right. Because that makes sense. I don't want to give my creations. <laughs> oh whoa. Yeah. That's interesting. Am That's I like home? a spiritual idea. It's no it's very like it's very literal. It's like it's like this crap is playing. You don't and want now it getting in. And I infecting. can't make anything that's not crap now because my whole mood <laughs> is just like, what is this? And I, I really try not to dwell on all that negative stuff. So I'll just mm -hmm. try to shift it. I'm like, you know what? I can check out right now mm -hmm. mentally and not think about this music and just think about this monotonous that's task. That's cool. Yeah. Because if I try to design a house listening to this crap, they're just going to get like the crappiest house because I'm so annoyed. <laughs> Like, wow, this house really reminds me of Ed Sheeran for some reason. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't say it. <laughs> <laughs> <But> yes. <laughs> yeah, that's funny. Beloved songwriter of all time. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> he did the grind, though. I think I think uh, he, he, uh, he came up relatively naturally in London playing small clubs until he got discovered or something. Yeah, I was watching a video of him talking about like coming up and the way he described it, I, I think he borrowed it from another person, but he was just saying like, it's like water coming from a tap or a faucet. Mm -hmm. And when you turn it on, it's just a bunch of crap water coming out. He's like, just keep, you just keep playing and it doesn't, it doesn't matter if it's like crap or you don't feel comfortable playing it, just keep doing it. And eventually after you get all that dirty yep. water out, clean water starts coming. Mm -hmm. and he's like and then you know sometimes crap will get back in there and you'll have a bad night <laughs> you'll have to do a set with taylor swift and <laughs> yeah. but then it's okay because tomorrow you're on your own again it's right. good <laughs> <First water> back. <laughs> i like that i mean i took that from them yeah and that's great also, like it helps me um feel comfortable doing open mics and stuff it's mm -hmm. like not all the time have i felt comfortable going up there and i and mm -hmm. i know i'm not at my hundred percent and I just think of that role as like just keep pushing up mm -hmm. all the you can. Well, it, it's interesting because I was watching a, a video of Tool uh, with Danny Carey playing drums. It, it's there's there's some video that's going around of him playing Numa from the new album, and he, the way he's playing it, there's no way he's ever making a mistake on that song. <laughs> it's just so ingrained and it's so easy. He's so calm. He doesn't care. He's just playing it and he's playing it well and he's into it as much as he needs to be. <laughs> but just that level of practice and mastery on the stage that is yeah. just they play the show every night and they're going to do 40 shows in a row. And he, if there's an error, it, it's not going to mess anything up because they all have everything so wow. locked in that they could do it in their sleep. Yeah. But then also they're able to continue to do it with energy. So it's that balance of not letting it die then. Yeah. So... Um, in Japanese culture, they have this, this like belief of the bridge, right? And it's mm -hmm. like, once you cross the bridge, you are no longer the same person. Mm -hmm. So it's just that idea of like every single moment that passes is a butterfly effect and mm -hmm. you're constantly changing. And so like, uh, we were talking with someone and 
you know, they brought up Guitar Pro and how you can get vocals out of Guitar Pro. And I was like, I don't want to do that. Like, I think that's a great tool for later. But when it comes to creating, I don't want those kinds of tools involved. I want the creation to be done first, and then we incorporate mm -hmm. the tools. Same with architecture, same with writing, same with right. anything. Mm -hmm. That's how I feel, like analog first and then yep. tools. Mm -hmm. Because what we're making is time capsules, right? It's like, this is who we are right now. Mm -hmm. And we're changing, and we're not going to be these people tomorrow. Mm -hmm. But because we are being so honest right now then even after so much practice and even after so much time no matter how many times we perform it we get to revisit that person we were mm -hmm. and so it's always real it's never going to be phony it's never going to be generic or or boring to us because it's like it's like when you open it's like when you're cleaning your house and you find something from when you were 14 and you're just like oh i can't believe that's who i was and you are back in that moment. Mm -hmm. You know, it's like, that's what I believe music is. Like, I had this professor, Peter Magyar, and he used to say that music and architecture are the roots and the knots of the cosmos. And he would say, like, architecture is the roots because it ties us to a place and it is where we create our memories, right? It's like hmm. your house or your school, mm, or whatever, mm -hmm. where all your memories are created, and a right. scent or a sound will take you back to that place. Mm -hmm. But music is the knots, because when you hear it again, you don't need the other sound or the other smell. All of those senses come back, mm -hmm. and it's like time travel. It's, yeah. like, it's like if some if someone hurt you, and then you hear that song again, your stomach is twisting like you're having a physical reaction yep. to the sound and so i just think that's really all it takes it's just like authenticity and honesty and if you're willing to give it the practice it deserves then mm -hmm. it'll always be there yep. so just like tool, it doesn't matter they play it 400 times they're always revisiting that person that yes are. yep mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. the authenticity and honesty it's interesting as a vocalist because I struggle with vocals, I think, for that reason. Because I think to be a good vocalist, you have to be authentic. And I feel like more people can sing than think they can sing because they're scared of their own voices. And so I've okay. had a lot of students tell me they're tone deaf, and this is not true. They're just too scared to unlock their own voices. How, how do you feel about that? I don't know about fear. Mm -hmm. um, I think your voice is, um, voices are so fluid right. in terms of sound. And so perhaps people think they're tone deaf because they just don't take the time to sit there and control their right. voice mm -hmm. as much as they need to. I agree. I don't, I don't know if I've ever met someone who was truly tone deaf that I couldn't get to sing one tune, right. you know, who mm -hmm. couldn't sing a pentatonic scale. Right. And it's like, once you just sit there and do it over and over and over and over, mm -hmm. then you can control yourself a little bit better. But, but yeah, I don't know. But I, I don't know about, I don't know about fear. Um, mm -hmm. I will say, like, as far as fear goes, like, 
like me and Joey were talking and he was like, um, he was like, we have to get it perfect. And I was like, we don't have to get it perfect. <laughs> our job is not to be perfect. Our job is to tell the truth. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, for sure. And I tell him like, um, when you go to a museum, you don't go experience art because it's perfect. You go because you're looking at things that are confirming how you already feel and what you mm-hmm. already think. Those people were just brave enough to put it on a canvas or sculpt it or right. whatever. And so like, it's really hard to be a writer because there's no hiding. Right. You're putting your business out there and I am an extremely private person. Like I have social media because you kind of have to have social media to mm-hmm. be an artist. But if you go to my Instagram, it's just buildings and plants. Like not plants that I take care of, just plants that I see. Because that's what I like to look at. And if it makes somebody think, oh, that looks mm-hmm. nice, that makes me happy. But I think that's what we like. That's kind of our job is like we're we're saying the things that people already know and right. they already feel and think. They just don't have the space to say them. So mm-hmm. when they hear it back, they're like, maybe I'm just a little more normal than I thought. Yeah. I think I think that's really tapping into something important. And I think that the idea of perfection when it comes to art is also a little bit not real. Like even even the 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 was it the tapestry behind you? Yeah. Oh yeah. What, what what does perfection mean with those waves? Could it be more perfect? I don't know. But you know what it is. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And even if you don't know what it is, you know, if that thing didn't exist, it wouldn't expire inspire the next thing. Mm-hmm. Like yep. we can be as perfect as we want. We're never gonna be the best whatever we do because it's always be. evolving. But you could be the best at it, what you do ex- specifically. What you do, you could be the only ones doing what you do. <laughs> That's true too. I love that you said that. My friend, um, he's getting his PhD in psych, and we always have these funny little conversations. But you know. I have my moments of self-deprecation like uh, mm-hmm. anybody else. I try not to, but it happens and I mm-hmm. don't try to lie about it. So I was like, I know, I, we were just having a casual conversation. And I was like, I know I'm not special. Like there's so many people in the world, nobody's special, blah, 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 blah. And he was like, that's stupid. That's the silliest thing I've <laughs> ever heard. He was like, literally everyone is special because no one in the world has the same experiences. Even mm-hmm. if you guys are experiencing the same thing, you're perceiving it yep. differently. Mm-hmm. So literally everyone is unique. And in that there is special tea. And I, I was like, it. I was like, I'm an idiot. You're <laughs> <laughs> That's wonderful. That's beautiful. Yeah. yeah. Cool. So, um, I don't know. Do you want to, that, that's such a nice, a nice note. Do you want to try playing something? <laughs> Three, four. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. I can go grab my banjo. Try something. I was just talking about you today. Oh no. Uh-oh. <laughs> 
Thank you. 
So I don't usually play a song. So I, it's usually totally free. It's just this like effusive cloud, you know. <laughs> that kind of stuff. Or just make a sound, you know. One time we went to this punk rock show and this lady started free form playing on a recorder. <laughs> nice. <laughs> exactly like that. Literally like, it was the most fun show ever that's great i love it there's there's a jazz pianist who sometimes does shows just on his saxophone or not he doesn't play saxophone but he does shows on saxophone he doesn't know how to play it at all his (laughs) idea is that you should be able as a musician to make music with any instrument okay oh well i'm not a musician then that (laughs) yeah but uh yeah we did it we made we made it we made it through all that so uh this was yeah. awesome. We should talk more. Yeah. yeah. So what what's coming next for the band? Do you have any releases coming out? We Shows? just got summer, so you can keep playing. Oh, yeah, that's great. A little soundtrack. We just got a drummer. Um, oh, cool. So together we have about like nine songs that we've done without him. So right now we're just trying to get him to learn our songs with us. Right. Um, which is really great, actually, because from a compositional standpoint, I kind of know where the songs should be going. Yeah. But he is the drummer, so it's like he gets to take my notes uh-huh. and he add his creativity to it, and that's really great. Um, so next steps are just like getting some of our songs down and recorded, and then um, we're gonna start doing shows. Nice. Because we really love to just do shows. Yep. Yeah. That's great. And everything else will just fall into place. <laughs> cool. Well, 
thanks for talking with me and playing today. No, you're great. <laughs> you know so much stuff about so much stuff. I love it. Well, it was it was a fun conversation. I don't know anything about architecture, and I know very very little about cooking. So. <laughs> Yeah, but yeah so thanks thanks for talking with me i'll put i'll put your links below everybody should check out their instagram and everything naked lunch this is joey on guitar and camila vocalist and they have a new drummer i guess so check yeah. them out for new music soon links below and all that thanks thanks for talking with me today <laughs> no problem <laughs>